our second service today. We're glad to have you. Right here is the director's chair. It's going to be only in a few more hours, the big, big reveal of Charlie Brown Christmas. I saw Charlie Brown somewhere out there. I want Charlie Brown to come up. Charlie, come on. Give Charlie a hand. Charlie, you want to tell people what they're going to, what's up tonight? Well, I'd like to invite you all to... Talk real loud in there. Real loud, because you don't have a mic. (laughs) I'd like to invite you all to a Charlie Brown Christmas play today at 5 o'clock. Please come. We worked hard. Thank you, Charlie Brown. They have worked really hard. The parents have worked really hard. The director, all the workers. Today's the day, though. We want you to come and support our children and our youth, all those that are involved tonight. It's going to be a great time. Um, Today, I'm glad uh, to get to share another sermon with you today on Christmas. Last week, Jeff did an awesome job getting the Christmas season started off. How many today has ever been lost? Raise your hand. Actually, you mainly see women's hands go up because men don't actually ever get lost. We just don't know where we're going. I mean, but we're not actually lost because, I mean, we will figure it out eventually. We're not going to stop and ask anybody, but we will figure it out. Uh, But I've been, we traveled a lot. And, you know, how many of you used to travel before GPS? And you know, if you get lost, you got this map that starts opening up, and pretty soon it covers the entire windshield. And like you can't even see where you're going anymore. Well, I've been lost before when we were traveling, and I mean really, really lost. I mean so lost. And you know, you get lost on some of these back Tennessee roads or mountain roads, and it's dark, and then the fog starts coming in. Now, not only are you lost, but you can't even see the road that's supposed to be there. We were traveling one time. We needed to get to this church, and, and uh, it was, uh, I think it was a uh, midnight service, a New Year's Eve type service, and a watch night service. But we had to get there, and we were, we'd went to another thing, and we were trying to get there, and it was dark. And, you know, we're trying to find the way, and we're out there. We don't have the roads, half the roads out in the country is not even marked. And so we see this, this vehicle, this truck parked in front of this store that's not open and you know we go up there and we talk and we ask somebody for directions and they tell us you well you go down there about eight miles and you're going to see this there'll be a car it'll be over in that yard and it'll be a blue looking car and you turn there and go down another road and then you go down there and you get down there and there'll be two banks and you go in between the two banks there and you go down uh, it's only about a half mile from there so here we are, we're going down the road and we don't see any of the stuff he's talking about. What if the car is gone? What if the people are not there and their red and blue car is not there? And we're going down the road and we're looking for these two banks. And we go, who would put two banks way out here in the, in, there's nobody around here. Why would they put two banks out here? And so we drive and then we turn around and we drive and we turn around and drive. And we're looking at our watch and we're thinking about how late we're going to be. And then we started thinking, you know, that's a big old, that's a big old hill there, and right over here is another big hill. And maybe they're talking about banks of dirt, like, you know, it's a bank and then another bank of dirt. Let's go through here. So we went through there, and we finally found it. <laughs> I don't know who ever thought of giving directions like that, but sometimes, sometimes in our life we're, we're lost. Not as much now that we have all these help. We got this, 
We got a little thing in our phone that go, you're going the wrong way, turn, recalculate, recalculate, you know. We didn't used to have that. We just had our wife that would say that. <laughs> I mean, he's glad for technology. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I may even have to turn my direction guy to a guy instead of a, a woman. <laughs> it's easier to follow the directions. <laughs> I better move on. I hear some groans. <laughs> Here's some groans. I don't want to mess up your Christmas. Today I want to talk about mercy in a manger. Sometimes we're lost in life. Sometimes we're in a dark place. Sometimes you're thinking about being lost. If you've ever really been lost, you've ever been where it's really dark. Uh, kind of like total darkness and you're trying to find your way. It's difficult. But some, some of you are not lost Physically, you're lost kind of mentally. You, you don't know which way to turn. Some of you kind of lost spiritually. You used to be on track, but now you don't know if you're on track. Some of you may have never been on track. I don't, I'm just here today checking this thing out because I, just, I need some direction in my life. And sometimes that's the way it is. <clears throat> and I want to tell you about Christmas. Christmas, uh, I don't preach next week, but the next week I preach, the, I think it's the 22nd or 23rd. And uh, I'm going to be talking about this, uh, about there's a difference between a Christmas message and an Advent message. Right now we're in the season of Advent, and Advent is a time of waiting. It's a time of darkness. It's a time of, uh, uh, and a lot of people go, well, you know, them, them songs, I don't like Christmas songs because them old songs are, some of them songs are kind of sad. They put them in a sad key. They put them in a minor like this, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. That ain't cheerful. That's kind of sad, right? And then when you hear some of us sing it, it's even sadder. <laughs> but it's kind of sad. It's a, it's a sad song. And, and it's in the minor key. And so really, there's a lot of stuff that we do today and we forget why it's done. You know, uh, Back years and years ago, they had stained glass windows because stained glass windows, they had the story of Jesus and his birth and the whole story of Christ in the stained glass windows. Well, then later on, people goes, well, that church got stained glass windows. I want to put some stained glass in and your stained glass don't say nothing. It don't mean nothing. It's just a bunch of colors on a, on a window. But originally, the stained glass meant something. It to a, a, a group of people that couldn't even read, they could say this right here, this story here. It's almost like a, a slideshow, and it would, they could take people through and, and tell them the story of Jesus. Well, a lot of the Christmas stories that way. You know, a lot of things that people do, used to people, you did, they didn't start in October. They didn't start before Halloween. And that's a lot of what I'm going to talk about on the on the whatever that Sunday is right before Christmas, 23rd, 22nd. But it's a sad time. It's a dark time. It's a time of waiting. It's a time of darkness. And it's sad to say there's people that way today. There's people today, they need help. They're in a dark place. You may be in a dark place in your marriage. You may be in a dark place in your life. You may have lost a loved one and you're in a dark place this holiday. It's nothing 
But I'm going to tell you, the story I'm going to tell you today, there was a lot of people in a dark place. You may have lost a, a child, a brother, a sister, a, somebody, and it makes this time of year not a happy time. But you've got to remember the original Christmas songs, they didn't decorate the tree until Christmas Eve. And they, they were decorating, and, and they would finally get it lit, and at midnight and when they would light the tree and it's because there was nothing to celebrate until the baby was born that's why I want to I call this message today mercy in a manger you know and and even in the Jewish tradition the they they go they start the day that Jesus is born, they go 12 days, and there's like 12 days of Christmas. Originally, they celebrated each day. They started their celebration after the birth of Christ. And you had the first day, and the second day, and the third day. They wrote this song about it, the 12 days of Christmas. It's leading up to the beginning of the new year. And all of that's symbolic. And so today, I want to kind of get there a little bit about this baby in a manger. This mercy in a manger. This mercy that we find in the manger, we're going to go to Luke 57 through 66. And I'll read that to you here. And I want you to see this passage. Starting with verse 57 of chapter 1 of Luke. In the 57th verse there it says, when it was time. You know, there's always a time when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard about it, and uh, they, you know, they shone great joy. They shared the joy. We find here, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's going to be called John. And they said to her, there is nobody in your family. None of your relatives is named John by that name, you know. Then they made signs to the father. I don't know how you make signs to the father, you know. Uh, but I want to tell you the whole story. When the angel Gabriel come and he told Elizabeth and Zachariah that he's going to have a baby, uh, he said his name's going to be John. And, and, and John said, I mean, Zachariah says, how can this be? Is there an older couple in the crowd? You look around and you figure you're probably one of the oldest couples in the building. Will you raise your hand? <laughs> Will somebody be honest and raise your hand? Sharon, we can't. We use us because I'm up here. All right, next to the oldest, you raise your hand. What? All right, come on up. Come on up right here. Stand right here. <laughs> come on up. Come on up here. Stand right here. You done it now. You done it now. Come on up, Shorty. I'm not going to embarrass you. How can you embarrass Shorty anyway? Joe, no, just stand right down here. You can stand right down. You won't have to come all the way up here. All right. I want probably one of the youngest teens here in the building. We got a young teen back there somewhere. Come on, don't be afraid. Come on, come on up. I want to tell you this Christmas story. This angel named Gabriel, he had been in the presence of God. That's what he told him. He goes, and he comes over to these old people. Just stand right over there. And he says, uh, 
Hey, I want to tell you something. You're going to have a baby. Huh? <laughs> and then Zachariah goes, how can this be? We're old people. How can it be? And, uh, and, and, and Gabriel said, I've been with God. And God said, she's going to have a baby. And the baby's going to be named John. And so, zip it up. I wish I had a piece of tape to put on his mouth right there. But for six months, for, until the baby's born, you're not going to be able to say a word. All right. And so the angel Gabriel starts this. And then six months later, he goes over here and he finds one of the young girls in the village. Her name is Mary. He says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she goes, I can't have a baby. I'm too young to have a baby. I'm just a teenager. Well, don't argue with me. I just come from the presence of God. I'm Gabriel, one of God's main angels. And I say, you're going to have a baby. And if God says you're going to have a baby, you're going to have a baby. And she said, how can this be? And he said, because the Lord's going to make it happen. When God says something, it always happens. And so she goes, well, according to your word, let it be unto me. All right, you can go sit down. What they were awesome, wasn't they? So I'm gonna tell you something. I see this miracle of Christmas, and this miracle of Christmas, and this God's mercy at Christmas. It doesn't matter if you're real old, like real old. You can be, you can be one of the oldest people in the building, or you can be one of the youngest people in the building. And the mercy of God has come to you. Even when he says he's going to pour out his spirit, he says he's going to pour out his spirit on old people. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young people's going to prophesy. This, this work of God, this mercy of God, the age is going to be no difference, no barrier. God's going to do a thing. He's going to do a miraculous thing. And for the old that was too old to have a child, he said that doesn't matter. If God said you're going to have a child, you're going to have a child. Or if you're very, very young and you hadn't even been with a man, it doesn't matter. When God says something's going to happen, you can take it to the bank. You can believe it. You can trust it. It's going to happen. So what we see in this practical, this, this practical, there is a director of all the affairs of this world. And he's sitting on the throne. And you may sometimes think that God's not in control, but God's always been in control. When God said, let there be light, there was light. When God separated the, the, the sea from the land, all God's got to do is speak. We're fixing to be going to a series in, in, in Genesis and parts of the Old Testament. But it speaks when God says something, it has to happen. And so he says, it's interesting in this passage, we see the prophecy of Zechariah. And it's interesting because the word mercy is used three different times. And first we see this is a practical mercy. See, in verse 59, on the eighth day after John's birth, he said, the neighbors, the family and neighbors, would, would have called him Zachariah after his father, but mother answered, no, he shall be called John. Now, I want you to try this. Jeff and Jessica's going to have a baby here come in the new year. I, I think we all should get together and tell them what they need to name their kids. How many of you went to a baby shower or a baby reveal and you think it's your uh, job to tell them what their kid's name should be? 
I know we said we had our first son named Matthew, and then we had our we were we thought we was gonna have a girl. We didn't know we didn't have no you know gender reveal was bang there it is oh yes the doctor said it's a girl or a boy. What no what none of this other stuff. And so we thought we was probably gonna have a girl the second one. You know they say the way you carry it, the way the little pin moves and all this stuff. But we got there and we were going to call the second one Star Marie because my wife's name's Marie. It was going to be Star Marie. And the little when she wrote her name, the S and the T was going to have a, a little star on the top, Star Marie. And then we got a boy and he, he didn't look like no Star Marie. <laughs> and you know we waited like the doctor said, uh, you you got to name this kid seriously. We still don't have a name on his thing there. We you got to name this kid. And we go, well, you're, you're, you're fixing to go home, and we got to have a name. So we go, well, we shall call him Michael. And we call him Michael. And, uh, but it's a thing to be named after your family. You know, it's kind of like uh, my oldest son, I've got my granddaughters here, it's their dad, Matthew. His name is Matthew Dennis. He's named after me, Matthew Dennis Daniels. Well, then my second son, that was supposed to be a girl, uh, I don't know, we were going to name her after Sharon, Sharon Marie, but it was going to be Star Marie, and, and that didn't work out, but anyway, we called him Michael DeFay, that's my middle name, I don't know as why it's my middle name, I don't know what DeFay means, I don't know where it come from, but my dad's got DeFay, my grandfather's got DeFay, and so you name, and we, we think of a legacy, but the thing is, when God does something, it's not about our legacy. It's not about our heritage. It's about God. And so God tells Elizabeth and Zachariah, you're going to have a son. That's pretty early to find out you're going to have a son before you're pregnant. But you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be a boy, and his name's going to be John. And Zachariah goes, oh, I don't know about that. He said, you're not going to talk no more. So he didn't get to talk, but when the relatives come over for maybe the shower, I don't know what it was, but they came over. It was for the circumcision. They come over and they go, well, I'm telling you, we want to be here when this happens because I'm going to tell you, he needs to be named after his daddy, Zachariah. And, and they said, they told Elizabeth, and Elizabeth said, no, that ain't the way it's going to be. And so they said, we're going to ask, we're going to ask Zachariah because he's the daddy. And they gave him, they made some signs to him. He said, give me a tablet. And he wrote down, his name's going to be John. And right when he wrote down, his name's going to be John, he was able to speak. Able to speak. And so, what we find in this, we find that God was directing all this. And we find, when, when Zechariah began to speak, they knew, well, this is a miracle. He couldn't speak, now he can speak. And they're going to have a baby, and his baby's going to be named John. We don't know why. A lot of times, following God's direction is confusing. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It don't make sense. Nobody in their family was named John, but you got a John now. And so, what they learn is that Zachariah and Elizabeth, they had enough sense, even though this didn't make no sense, they had enough sense to obey God. Sometimes we have to obey God, but it doesn't make sense. And so they're only naming him John because some angels told him to name him John. John doesn't make the sense, but he, and so they realized this was God doing something. This was not natural. And so it's calling out of God's mercy. His name will be called John. They heard the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. 
And so what is this great mercy? It's practical mercy. What is this great mercy? The Lord showed great mercy to Elizabeth. The great mercy of God to Elizabeth to be a child. So the child was merciful. Why? Because they were too old to have any children. If you'll follow the seed of God, he said, when Adam and Eve sinned, he said there'd be a seed of a woman, which a woman don't have a seed, it has to come from the man, but there'd be a seed of a woman that would come and one day bruise Satan's, uh, he's going to take the heel and bruise Satan's head. That son, if you notice all the different places where the woman that the seed passed through could not have any children, it's amazing. Why? Because God doesn't need our help. When God decides to do something, He can do it without our help. Because God said He's going to do it. But it's amazing. Here we had uh, Elizabeth. Couldn't have any children. She can now. Because God said it. And it's the mercy of God. And they realize for them to have a baby in their old age, it's got to be God. It's got to be the mercy of God. They'd been praying for a child all these years. Uh, Zechariah had went in the temple to do the incense. It had come his turn to be a serve, to serve in the temple. So he goes in and he's in there a long time. They go, what took you so long? He said, well, while I was in there, an angel came and visited me. His name was Gabriel. And he said, we're going to have a baby. And, you know, he thought it was weird, and yet uh, he, because he had a problem, he couldn't speak, but he, I'm sure he'd done sign language and tried to tell him I was in there. But anyway, they, they didn't understand him. But it was God, and it was God that had decided to do this. Uh, you know, and it, wouldn't it be nice if we got like uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and like the, the people around them when something happened, like you get a promotion at, at work. See, John was not... The, the baby in the manger. He was not God, but he was to point people to God. And, and Zechariah's relatives were to point people to God. And that's primarily what our job is as the church is. It's not to point people to us or our church or our denomination or who we are. Our job is to point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. And so when somebody gets a promotion at work, we go, that's the mercy of God. When, when, when somebody goes to the doctor and they get a good report, we go, that's the mercy of God. When God does something amazing. But you know, when you really grow in the Lord, it's not only the, the, the you know, it's not when God does something good. Even we sometimes rejoice in the ways of God. But you know, uh, God's ways are not our ways. So you have to get to the point, you're going to worship God, you're going to praise God, you're going to rejoice in God when it makes no sense. That's why God's people were in Egypt's bondage. They were in Babylonian bondage. And they were there and they were known to be a very joyful singing people. And they go, sing us one of your songs of Zion. And they had hung their harps on the willows. They said, how can we sing one of these God songs in a strange land? We're in captivity. We don't have nothing to sing about. And they said, but the, the, God told them, take your harps off the, uh, the willows and sing anyway. Sometimes we need to sing in the dark hour. Sometimes we need to lift up God because the director's still on his throne. We may not feel like he's on his throne. We may not feel like he's directing our marriage. We may not feel like he's directing our health. We may feel like he's a million miles, but he's still on the throne. See, we sometimes, we, we, don't, we don't get this about God. The second thing I want you to see about the mercy of God, he, he speaks of this word mercy Three different times in three different ways. First time was practical mercy. And the second time is a promise mercy. The, the, the practical mercy is that, that it was the God that baby is a sign of God's promise to them. 
Zechariah prayed for that a long time. God was answering his, 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 his prayer. So the promise of God, he says in verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and all those who hate us. To show the mercy promise to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to all of Father Abraham and to grant it to us. That we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. Verse 67, after Zechariah could speak and he was praising God, he speaks a prophecy, and it's basically the rest of chapter 1. But it has two parts. The first part is verse 68 through 75. Let us read that. Zechariah says, we see the word mercy mentioned here, uh, and we see it mentioned in verse 72. And I think we all have this basic idea of what mercy means in English. That mercy means something like kindness or forgiveness or goodness. That's all right, but in the Bible, the word mercy means something different, can, can have a very deep and rich meaning. And uh, that's what it has here. It has a deeper meaning that we're giving it. Zechariah, in the first part of the prophecy, he's, he's not talking about John in the first part of his prophecy. He's talking about Jesus, the one that's going to be the horn of salvation, the one that's going to redeem us, the one that's going to save us from the people that hate us, the one that's going to take us out of darkness into the glorious light, all that. They're talking about Jesus. Well, then in the prophecy, it gets talking about John. John is not Jesus, but John is the one pointing to Jesus. He's the one pointing to Jesus. And uh, he, it's all about Jesus. And that he says, God has raised up from us a horn of salvation of the house of his servant David. And Zechariah says in verse 70 that God's doing this is just like the Old Testament prophet said he would do. He's doing what he said he would do. And he said that he should come and he, he's going to do several things. He said what this promise says and what this Zechariah was saying prophetically that God is sending Jesus so that, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of him that hates us, all who hates us. So that God will show the mercy he promised to our fathers. Uh, and so, so we need to get this. Zechariah says Jesus is coming for two reasons. Jesus has come for two reasons. One, he's coming to save us all. And the second thing, he's coming because it's God showing the mercy. The mercy. So mercy is beginning to be more than just a word. We're finding that mercy is starting to be a verb. There's some action to this mercy. There, there, there's something happening with this word mercy. Uh, it's powerful what is happening to this uh, mercy is coming. We find that, so what exactly is mercy? Mercy is God's promises. We find that the word mercy is shorthand for everything God ever said that he was going to do. And, and so from the book of Genesis and throughout the Old Testament, there's one word that can summarize everything that is there. And it's God's mercy. God's covenant faithfulness is resolved to fulfill his word an unwavering commitment to bring redemption to God's people. That shows that God's mercy is deliberate. And here's the thing. Here's what we think. God put man on the earth and man messed up. And then God goes, well, what am I going to do about them messed up people? So let me see what I'm going to do. 
No, that's not the way it happened. God, before He made the world, He'd already decided in His heart He was going to make a people. And before He made the world and before He made the people, He knew that the people that He made to live on His world were going to mess up. God is not a reactionary God. God God does not react. He acts. See, if He's the director, He's not trying to figure out what's going on. He already knows what's going to go on. So because God said He's going to create a world and He's going to put man on the earth world and then these men and women were going to fail God, God's already got a plan for that failure and He said there would be a lame, there would be a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so when man messed up, they went and they were naked and God took a lamb and He took the skin and He put it on them as a covering of their nakedness. They eventually, as the story goes on, there's a mercy seat of God. What did they put on the mercy seat? They put the blood of the lamb on there. You keep seeing this reoccurring story of this lamb and the mercy seat. And the mercy seat, the the lamb needed to be on the mercy seat. You get to a point and you find they're delivered by uh, the eating and partaking of the blood of the lamb. We, we find this story keeps developing. Finally, John, that was born six months before Jesus, he's walking around as he gets older, and he sees Jesus coming, his cousin. He said, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. When did that Lamb decide to happen? It happened before we ever existed, before the world ever existed. It's all in the director's plans. Redemption is in the director's plan. Salvation is in the director's plan. So you see the Christmas story. The Christmas story is about the mercy of God. And the mercy of God came in a certain way. The the mercy of God come in a very personal way. You know, it got to the point that the mercy of God, you could touch it. The mercy of God. I was in, uh, this weekend, we got the privilege of being able to take care of our granddaughters. And we went over Friday night. There was my, my oldest granddaughter, Avery. She was cheering. She cheered for one game and then another game. We watched that Friday night. And we got home. And then Saturday morning, there was two birthday parties and there was a game. And we would drop one off and then we'd go to the other one. And so here I am. I drop one off. And Sharon's with one. And then I'm driving to the, where the other one is. And I'm driving down Kingston Pike. And I get to the red light, and I'm in a hurry, but I see on the left, there's Krispy Kreme Donuts. (laughs) And on the left, this Krispy Kreme Donuts, they got this big old red thing in the window. It tells you that the Krispy Kreme Donuts is hot. And you know, I I felt like that was a sign from God. It's like, ah! What are the possibilities? What are the chances that I would be going by on Kingston Pike when the red light come on and I get hot donuts? I mean, it's amazing. And as crazy as that story is, that's how some of us think about the mercy of God and the love of God and the faithfulness of God. Like something goes good in your week, go, you know, God must like me. God must like me. My life's going really good. God must really like me. And there could be nothing further from the truth. See, it's not that God, when He was born in the manger, that He had mercy on us. That baby in the manger was the mercy. It's not that God has faithfulness 
And we talk and sing about great is thy faithfulness. But he is faithfulness. It's not that God has love for us. God is love. God can never cease to be love. God can never cease to be faithful. They, uh, James talked about like this sundial. And as the sun shines down, there's, uh, there's no shadow of turning. That's a, a fixed, uh, big old round sundial. And as the sun, it hits every day at the same time. You can count on it. You can count on God. He's directing our life when we see Him and when we don't. He's directing our life when we feel like He is and when we don't feel like He is. He's never stepped down off the throne. He's still directing our life. So that's why it would, it would cause us to want to thank God, praise God, glorify God, even if you have to do it in the minor key. You may be in a bad place, but you can at least lift your hands and say, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. People have done it through history. People in slavery had slave songs that they sung. And they were usually sung in the minor key. This part of Christmas is really the advent. We're waiting in darkness. He did come as a baby in a manger, but we are waiting once again for Him to return. But I'm telling you, He's coming again. Amen. What's going to happen in 2020? Everything that God said is going to happen is going to happen in 2020. He's coming back. He's going to complete it. You know the Jewish people over in Jerusalem, I got to go there last year, and they're already building stuff to go in the temple. They, they build it and they put this big old glass dome on it. And they're going, that right there is already built. As soon as the temple gets built, that's going in the temple. You, you keep hearing news. We're, we will rebuild the temple. Why are they so sure that the temple is going to be? Because God said it was. And when you, when you see God work, you know that God is uh, doing something great. But the third part of this, this mercy, we saw that it's practical, that it was a promise. And now we see that th this third thing is it's uh, practical, it's a promise, and it's a personal mercy of God. And in verse 76, Zechariah says, And you, talking about child, talking about John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. He's not the Most High. He's going to be pointing people to the Most High prophet. For you will go before the Lord and prepare the ways to give knowledge of salvation to the people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the Son shall visit us from on high. See, they're sitting in darkness. They're looking for the tender mercy of God. They're waiting for God to shine on their desperate fate in life. God, will you come? God, will you shine? Sometimes we sit in darkness. The Bible said that sometimes weeping endures for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. See, people used to do this. We, we forgot all the symbolicness of Advent and Christmas. Used to, people didn't decorate in October. They waited till Christmas Eve. They brought their tree in. They started decorating. And when it, when it struck midnight, after midnight, they light the tree, the lighting of the tree. Why? Because it was the birth of the Savior. The newborn child had been born. You can go from singing, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, to joy to the world. The Lord has come. 
It's in the major key. It's exciting. It's wonderful. The hope of our whole life is here. And I know that things go wrong in your life. Things happen in your life and it's not pleasant at the moment. But don't think for a moment that God's left directing the affairs of this world. Sometimes the dark places is what turns us. Sometimes the lonely places is what turns us back to where God wants us. It's the tender mercy to give light to those who sit in darkness. It's the tender mercy that the sh- He comes in as light to those in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. See, it's a personal God. It didn't, the angel didn't say, now you, uh, you good ones down here. Uh, he, he said, he, I'm going to give you peace. He said, peace to all men. Salvation is for everyone. God's mercy is for everyone. God's peace is for everyone. Redemption is for everyone. See, the grace of God, the grace of God is God giving us what we don't deserve. God is grace. God gives us what we don't deserve. And mercy is when God don't give us what we deserve. We deserve to die. We deserve hell. But God sent mercy in a manger and a baby to save us from our sins. He come to take our death where we don't have to take it. Mercy in a manger. He's the mercy that sat on the, on the mercy seat. As mercy in a manger was Jesus. And this third way that he says, Zechariah says John's mission would be preparing the way for Jesus. What does that look like? Verse 77, it says, To give knowledge of salvation to God's people in the forgiveness of sins. Tell people that. And so John did it as hard as he could do. He would preach the gospel, preach the gospel. And he saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. There he is. There he is. He comes to take away the sin of the world. He was doing his job. Zechariah 78 and 79, Zechariah is going to give us an image First in verse 78, Zechariah says that God hasn't forgotten us. Some of you today, you feel like God forgot you. That God don't care. That God don't see your need. That God don't understand what you're going through. If you're feeling that today, it's a lie from the devil. They said, Zechariah said, God wants me to tell you that God has not forgotten us. God is coming to save us. God is at work for us because, in verse 78, because of His tender mercy of God. This is interesting because this is the only time in the entire Bible that these two words are put together, tender and mercy. Only time in the entire Bible. It means a mercy that comes from deep down inside. See, we get mercy is practical. It's something we can see. When, when that baby come, that mercy that Zachariah and Elizabeth got, they become personal. They could see that mercy they had prayed for for so long. They could feel that mercy. They could hear that mercy cry in the middle of the night. They could change the diaper of that mercy. That baby was the mercy of God upon a couple that all their life had prayed for a child. It's very practical mercy. And then the promised mercy, all the promises of all the prophets of the Old Testament, 
the, all the promises are coming together. There's, there's a, a, around a thousand something promises that took place the day that baby, that mercy was found in a manger. I think some people said up to 3,000 prophecies was fulfilled just in that few hours. But the tender mercy, these two Greek words, the word tender actually means inward parts. It's referring to the stuff deep down in the inside, from the bottom of your heart, the deepest part inside of us. It's describing God's mercy. God's mercy is from the deepest part within us. It's a word speaking of passion. The mercy is of extreme, extraordinary compassion. You know, I, I think pregnant women are beautiful. I really do. There's something about pregnant women. Them carrying a baby. Their, the excitement, the expectation. You know, they get to feel the baby kicking and moving. And you know, this thing is strange. And, and they're getting ready. And then they know the time is coming. They're waiting Seems like a long time. And then finally, that that wasn't is. That that didn't exist now exists. It's born. And there's something about a mother. You go, why are mothers like bulldogs with lipsticks on? You know, they're, they're, they're mama bears. Why are, are women so... Man, you get a woman on the angry side of you and there's no way faster to get a woman angry with you than over a child. They'll get with you. Why? Because they look at that baby as bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh. That can, it was made inside of them. As husband go, what are you? I made a living. Wife can go, I made a baby. I made a baby. There is a difference between men and women, folks. And this incredible gift from God, this baby, this is bone of your bone. And you know, even when you have to get up in the middle of the night, even when you cry, that baby cries, even when that baby goes a wayward way, it never leaves the heart of that mother. And the father too, but more so the mother. You ever heard somebody get so mad passionately like you, they say, I hate your guts. Well, what God is saying about his tender mercy deep down inside of him, God's saying, I love your guts. I love your wayward ways. I love your sins. I love your rejection. I love everything about you. There is nothing you can ever do to make me love you more. There's nothing you can ever do to make me love you less. I love you guts. I love everything about you. You're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You're mine. You're my children. You may say, well, I don't come from a fancy legacy. I don't come from a fancy heritage. You do if you're born again. You're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And my friend, God will do anything for you. God will do anything for you. And that's what he's talking about. And so how does a writer... How does Luke try to interpret that word that means that inward, passionate, deep down inside, to the gut, to your heart, mercy? He tells you that mercy was in the fountain of manger. That mercy was Jesus in the manger. That mercy was Jesus on the cross. And so they start telling stories like there was a man who traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers and left for dead. They took everything he had, just threw him 
to the side of the road, barely alive. And the next day, as people walked past, nobody helped him. You ever felt like, nobody's helping me. Nobody cares. Then there was a Samaritan man. It was one of those men that other people called dogs. They were nobody. They were useless to society. This Samaritan man came walking by. And Jesus said when he came to the place, he saw the man laying there on the side of the road, helpless and hopeless. And Jesus said to the Samaritan man, and he had compassion on him. That's that word, mercy. He had compassion on him. That's the word. Maybe you've heard another story. Luke tells him, Luke 15, the story about a son. This son came to his dad and said, Dad, I want, I want my inheritance early. Son wanted to go ahead and pocket all the property and money, and then he wanted to get away from his dad as fast as he could. And he went away to a far country to spend every bit of it. He burned through all the cash and lived recklessly. And then he became absolutely broke, and he had no money, and he had no job. And he was starving, and he felt helpless, and he felt hopeless, and he was a slave to his situation. He became a feeder to pigs, and actually found himself hunger, hungrier than the pigs himself. And then he realized, i got to go home. Folks, I'm telling you, the director has never left his seat, even when the sun's in the far country. He saw the son was going to go astray. He saw him in the far country. He knew that one day he would turn around. The father looking, he kept looking every day for his son. Why would a father keep looking? Because he knew his son would one day come home. And so he stands up, surrounded by the pigs, and says, I'm going to go home. I'm going back to my dad's house. Even your hard times in life may be the only thing that will drive you back to the father. So even thank God for the hard times. If that's all that it will take to get you back to the Father, we need more hard times. We need whatever it's going to take to drive people back to the Father's heart. He loves your guts. He loves everything about you. He's crazy about you. He is as long, it's a long way back, but He's preparing you to come back. He was already saying, you know, I've really messed up. I've really messed up. But he gets there, and meanwhile, his dad is at home, and he's looking out down the road, a long ways off, way out in the distance, the dad sees his son. And at that moment, because you know, we all wonder what this dad was going to do, what was going to happen, but Luke 15 20, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. There's that word again, mercy. And his dad ran to him, and his dad embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son started this speech and the dad just held him tight. So get the best robe. He didn't need to hear all that. That's his son. That's bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Zechariah said, this mercy in a manger, he's going to be like a shining sun. Verse 78, he said that Jesus is coming because of the, his tender mercy. Whereby or through which the sun shall the sun will rise and shall visit us from on high and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into a way of peace. Zechariah says the tender mercy of God is like the sunrise, but it's not but but it's not just any sunrise. It's a God that loves us in spite of ourselves. Luke chapter one. 
were struck with the darkness, the shadow of death, the hovering over them. But God comes because of His mercy. God always comes. He's never failed us. And we don't deserve anything from God. There, there's one thing I want to show over here in, in, in Luke 1. I want you to see how powerful God's Word is. Now I'm going to finish here. He says here in one verse, he, he says, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Will. He said, You will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great. Never to take wine and fermented drink because he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. See, the director is directing. He will bring back his people of Israel. He'll turn the fathers back to the sons and the sons back to the father. He will go before the Lord. I tell you this, good news. And now you will be silent until... It's time for you to speak. The Lord has done this. He said in these days, He has shown His favor. You know, some of you may feel disgraced. When we get far from God, we're away from His grace and we're disgraced. But all we got to do is turn to God. He wants to grace us again. He wants to show us mercy. But He said He will do these things. And I love all those wills. Over and over again, Luke says, God said it will happen. And so it's going to happen. And I love over here, Elizabeth said, how is this going to happen? How me at my age is going to be able to conceive? He said, for no word from God will ever fail. Mary's going, how could I have a baby? I ain't even been with no man. He said, when God says something's going to happen, it will happen. And so she said, may your word be fulfilled in me. I want them to come out and get ready. I was born uh, as a little, uh, when I was born, I had a speech impediment. I couldn't speak plain. I failed first grade. Nobody could understand me. I kind of just made signs for what I wanted. Often I would ask God to heal me. My parents took me to a revival when I was in fourth grade. And this man, I went up and this man prayed for me. And he said, from this day forward, you will speak plainly. God loose his tongue. And he said, one day, little boy, you will carry the gospel just like I'm doing. You know why I'm doing the gospel today? Because God said I will. We went to the doctor later on. The doctor told my wife that, we couldn't have any kids. But we just kept trying to follow the will of God. We wanted to go to college. We didn't have no money. And I said, God, I want to go to college. This guy come said, I'm going to help you go to college. If you fill out these paperwork, will you promise me when I get the results back that you will go to college if I get your way paid? We said, we promise. It wasn't long after that, me and my wife were headed to college. completely paid a little bit of that we'd been told we couldn't have any kids and we were there at that college the very first semester the first spiritual emphasis week they had a, a, a like a revival type spiritual week and I went forward me and my wife did 
And the minister, Dr. Roy Cantrell, he prayed for us and he said, God's going to heal y'all. It was just about six months after that, Sharon went to the doctor. She wasn't feeling good. And the doctor said, you're going to have a baby. Sharon goes, I can't have a baby. I'm in college. <laughs> said, you're going to have a baby. We named him Matthew. It means gift from God. When God says something, it happens. When God says something, it happens. That's why he says every day we need to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. See, we, we don't just rejoice in the ways of God or the will of God. We rejoice. God knows the way we should take. Rejoice in every day you live. Obey God. Even when it is not pleasant. Even when you're singing in the minor key. Rejoice in God because God's in control. He's still on the throne. I was pastoring uh, in Knoxville. And I would go over to church every morning and just pray. I was at a little church. It had all kind of problems. Financial problems. And, and I said, oh God, please, oh God. Put me where you want me. And God showed me a vision or whatever you want to call it. I wrote it down in a prayer diary. And I didn't even know whether I believed it or not. I just wrote it down. A couple weeks later, we went over to a church we'd never been to. Saw a pastor we'd never met, an evangelist we'd never met. And he said, uh, come to the point. He said, like for the man back there in the blue suit and red tie, I'd like for you to stand. He said, I was praying today in the hotel and God showed me you. God showed you something a few weeks ago. You haven't told anybody. You've been like Mary. You pondered in your heart. You've told no one. It was from God. You're fixing to get a call. Your entire ministry is fixing to change. About three weeks later, all of this is out of my control. Three weeks later, I get a call. They want me to come to Nashville and work for state headquarters. The guy said, you're going to be highly favored. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have such results in your ministry that you're going to be hated for it. Be careful when you pray for the favor of God because... Your favor is somebody else's jealousy. And you will actually be hated. So you want just the right amount of favor. <laughs> God bless me, but God don't bless me so much. Everybody's going to hate me for my blessings. See, there is a balance point. There is a middle of the road. And that's when you say, God, I don't know the way. I don't know the total will. I just pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He told us that that ministry would go so long and it would come to an end and it would come to a bitter end. But he said, I want to tell you this. God, on God's word, he's promised to take care of you. I've had ministries in bluntly. I've had to go get into an apartment. I've had to start over and I've never missed a meal. You can tell that today. I'm telling you, there's nothing better you can do in your entire life than seek the will of God. And thank Him for His will in the bad times because the bad times actually may be the good times and you just don't know it yet. You just don't know it yet. And sometimes the good times may not be the good times. You may find out that the good times are actually the bad times because we don't know God's ways. But I can guarantee you, God loves your guts. If the devil can hate your guts, God can love your guts. God can love you from the innermost being. Your bone of his bone and flesh of your flesh. And the God of all eternity wants to spend eternity with you and I. 
That's the Christmas message. That's mercy in a manger. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your blessings. I thank you for this church. I thank you for your word that will never fail. I thank you for mercy in a manger. That you had mercy on us. And God, you're not finished. You're coming back again. And there will be absolute, complete will of God on this earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Your word cannot fail. We'll spend eternity with you. God, I thank you for that promise. And I know it will be a reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.